Jay Foreman Postgame Show. Sponsored by Tanner's Bar and Grill, Vinnie Krikak, Elway Power Sports of Lincoln, and Action Plumbing, Heating, AC, and Electrical. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Iowa 13, Nebraska 10. One final football postgame show for the year. Big thanks to Jay and Nick for getting us kicked off. I'm Austin Norman, joined by Jake Bachoven. Here to break it down for the next little bit. If you have any thoughts, keep them rolling in on the Sarder Heyman text line or the Honda of Langen hotline, 402-464-5685 if you want to reach the show or on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. You can leave a comment. If you're watching at home, make sure it's on Hallow Channel 951. Well, Buck, here we go again. More <laughs> of the same, yet so different. Third time this year. Nebraska falls by a final score of 13 to 10. It felt very similar in a lot of ways. It felt very different in a lot of ways. We've seen this Nebraska-Iowa script so many times before. The twist this year, the twist, was it was a backup kicker. Yeah. Nebraska blocks two field goals early in the game. It's Iowa's backup kicker that comes in and delivers the dagger. Special teams, again, came down to it. Nebraska wastes a timeout trying to line up to run a fake field goal, like Matt Rule said, from 60 yards, which, let's question that decision. Do you think Iowa would have even fallen for it? I doubt it. Ends up working out with the Bushini punt down to the one-yard line, but then the offense had a chance to win it. Two chances to win it at the end. Ultimately doesn't. The defense had a chance to get that one final stop, make Iowa kick it from 50-plus yards, and the tackling falls apart at the worst moments. For everything that was different in this game, the result is the same. The lack of that one big play, the same in the end. Yeah, it, I mean, it's uh, it, this was one that, you know, reach into your heart and rip it out because it did look like Nebraska was going to have a chance on that final drive, at least to get the shot, and then go into overtime. Nebraska, as opposed to the first half, where you, you're going into halftime thinking they are very fortunate to be down 10-7, down three mm-hmm. points here because Iowa held on to the football, missed a few opportunities, obviously the block field goals, um, and then in the second half, it completely flipped. Like, Nebraska had the time of possession. Obviously, they weren't racking up points because they only scored three in the second half. But, you know, we knew the pace of the game. They were winning the field position battle. You mentioned the punt down to the one. It just felt like it was going to wind up in Nebraska's favor, and they were going to get the chance maybe to kick the game-winning field goal. In fact, had that opportunity with Tristan Alvano with about five minutes left mm-hmm. on a 44-yarder that wasn't even close. Um it's it, again. It, it's it's a it's a feeling that we're used to. It's 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 very frustrating. Another loss to Iowa. Another five and seven season. Another uh, winter without a bowl game. Um, and it, it's just kind of interesting. I think to see where we go from here, or kind of how the things are spun. Because you listen to Matt Rule in the postseason, or excuse me, in the press conference after the game. It was the postseason by that point. <laughs> it's the postseason <laughs> press conference, I guess. Uh, where you know you you there there are still a lot of positives and I and I wonder how people kind of ultimately view this thing but I said before the game and I don't take it away when I say something I mean and I, I think that I think a lot of ways this this game was going to decide how successful this season was six and six you get across that line you've do, done something that hasn't been here since 2016 you can kind of you, you know you, you can't you can't just say hey there's here's some steps and this looked good it's like legitimately on the record uh, we went to a bowl game we improved we you know did this and that and now at, at five and seven, it's just kind of a familiar feeling of a uh, season that could have been. And especially considering Scott Frost's uh, tenure was just one possession, losses left and right. And here we are in Matt Rule uh, starting the, starting under his uh, tenure, one and five in one possession games. It's just, it feels like the, the football gods want to give one more kick into Nebraska's gut just after we think we've stomached everything we can. Gorilla Bear on the text line asks, what's positive? Team looks no different. I have a list of things that I think were positive developments. I sat down during the game and after the game and kind of went through, you know, some positive developments for this team. But ultimately, Bach, it's hard to look at positives right now because you lost to Iowa again on a walk-off field goal again because of game management again, because of the offense again, because of the defense not getting that one final stop again. So, yes, Compared to year one at Temple and year one at Baylor, if you zoom out from that 30,000 feet, it's, hey, Nebraska was better in year one than Matt Rule's ever been. That can't mean nothing, can it? It's got to be something. But at the same time, you drill down into it, you were five and three. 
you had four chances to make a bowl game and you let one slip away before that. You could have been bowl eligible entering November without it or without letting Minnesota slip away. Here's the issue. You didn't take advantage of it. Didn't take advantage of it week zero or game one. Didn't take advantage of it the whole month of November. After winning some games by the skin of your teeth, even if the margins, you know, at Illinois and at Purdue were bigger wins, those were still skinnier your teeth kind of games by the end. There were still nervous moments oh, yeah. in those games. Nebraska didn't dominate in its wins. Nebraska wasn't thoroughly outclassed in its losses. My biggest takeaway from this season, Bach, is that there's still not much clarity for Nebraska for what's the direction, what comes next, where's the program going from here. If there, if you were feeling good about 5-7, and seven, it probably means Nebraska took its lumps early and had a, a solid end to the year. One couple in October, one couple in November. Hey, you can see the building blocks. If you're feeling really terrible about the season, which, given the text line, most people are because you lost four in a row in November yeah. and it stings right now, it's okay, it's more of the same. But you don't know because you did win five games. That's a step up from last year. You did have some positive developments in terms of young players on both sides of the ball that look like they can be building blocks for the future. So yes, in the small picture, there are successes. But the big picture of, hey, can we at least make a bowl game this year against a manageable schedule before we get you know four teams that only make the job tougher, it's a failure. I, I think the people that can look at this season and get, glean some positive from it aren't wrong, but the people that are let down and disappointed by how November went aren't wrong either. Yeah, and it's 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 obviously different from the the Frost year one, even the Riley year one, where you did finish strong, and 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 so that kind of gives you some positivity going into year two. I think I can have some positivity going into year two, and really, I mean, we heard it in the in the post game press conference as well. Ty Robinson, I, I don't know if he broke it or maybe shouldn't have said it, but said hot makers coming back. I mean, those are two guys that right now, we, and you saw it in this game. They could go to the NFL, and people that have been watching mm-hmm. Ty Robinson, uh, you know, from the outside over the last couple of games, have been saying he's really coming on. Um, I mean, this defense, we we'll have to hold our breath, see kind of what happens with Tony White. Um, but this is you talk about one side of the ball, just one complete side of the ball that I'm not really worried about, or that I'm thinking is definitely ready to roll after year one. You know, the building blocks there, they're definitely late, and, and they've got mm-hmm. a lot coming back. So, you know, I, I think there's there's certain ways to look at it and be positive. But the other thing is, the offense is so far from that that they're going to need an Iowa-like offseason like they <laughs> had this last year and go get a quarterback that is not just, oh, let's look this guy up and is, is you too. I mean, we kind of did, we kind of been through it the last couple of years uh, where, you know, Casey Thompson, and obviously there's questions about what he could have done here and, and Jeff Sims, but you're, if you're getting near the 20th ranked guy in the portal, which maybe is where Nebraska is as a program, tough to convince the top two or three guy to get in. Um, but I, and so I don't necessarily expect that, but if they could go out there and get, you know, somebody like that, and then, you know, additionally, um, uh, you know, I was able to get a tight end and, and, and a, a leading tackler from Virginia. I mean, they, they did a very good job after two years ago, denying the portal, denying the changes, don't not wanting to be that part of football, except this year. And then all of that happened. Those guys all got hurt, basically, and I was still uh, won 10 games this year. Um, so it's just kind of interesting to see where that is. But, I mean, I think that's the clear picture going into the offseason is, is um, you're going to need to get a quarterback. And, and Chubba mm-hmm. Purdy kind of had his tryout, and I thought did solid today. Again, kind of had some fumbles coming out of nowhere. That last interception couldn't have been uh, worst time. <laughs> the worst time or just wasn't really competitive. It was just right to the man in coverage. Um, you know, and I don't want to harp on it too much because obviously he's your, as as we've been saying, scout team quarterback that's out there leading, your, leading the charge there at the end. But he is probably the guy with the most upside moving forward. But, I mean, it, it, let's just say it how it is. Without significant improvement from outside in the offseason, um, the offense, it, there's not much. Uh, you know, Jalen Lloyd, obviously you're excited about him in the future. Fedoni's... Uh, Season kind of just pittered pattered toward the end. I mean, so I mean, there's some some spots of, of you know Coleman. You can get excited about the future, but I mean, th- these are these are bright spots, but they're not shiny shiny bright spots, right? I mean, they're they're, they're just kind of like <laughs> you had to work for 15 gleamers. minutes to really polish it. You got <laughs> right. a couple specks of dirt. There's off. gleamers of hope on Nebraska's offense, so they're going to need a lot of help from the outside. So. Let's start biggest picture, and we'll start drilling down as we go throughout postgame. Again, if you have any thoughts, let us know, 402-464-5685, 
or on the streams, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. Um, Gorilla Bear says, we'll get him next year, a.k.a. Nebraska fans for the last 15 years. Again, this is where y'all probably want me to pick a side. Either say, oh yeah, absolutely next year, there's a lot of positive signs, or no, nothing's positive, this program is in the dumps, there's no hope ever again. I'm going to play the middle on this one again. At some point, yes, you you can't keep winning the offseason. You can't keep hoping against hope. But we've seen places in far worse situations than Nebraska achieve far more than a 6-6 six and six bowl game. Now, it's up to, on the base level, the players, above them, the coaches, above them, Trev Alberts, and then, you know, President, or Chancellor Bennett, to make the right decisions to get this football program moving back in the right direction again. One win is an improvement, doesn't feel like much of an improvement. You know, it just doesn't because you had so much on the table, at least a bowl game there. So, yeah, we're going to have the same cycle. We're Husker fans. We're all on that boat. We're all going to think next year is going to be better. That's, that's part of being a fan. And, you know, I don't want to say you're wrong for saying there's no hope and it's the same story because it is the same story. The same song and verse, the same dance, offseason after offseason. It's on Nebraska to change that narrative, to get better. But also, you know, at the same time, there are building blocks. It's hard to see in the aftermath of a loss like this, another loss like this. Nebraska needs to change it, but what are we supposed to do? (laughs) I I don't want to sit here and wallow in grief and and pity and think it's never, ever going to get better. But at the same time, you know, People have to make those decisions, have to put in the extra work, have to make the next right decision in front of them to get Nebraska out of the spot. Yeah, and I mean, you think about a team, too, that leads the nation in turnovers. To be 5-7 and seven is somewhat incredible in and of itself, and I know we have questions about, but how good is this defense really? And you can you can do that, and you can break it down, and it's, it's not one of the historic Nebraska defenses of all time, and it's probably, you know, borderline top 25 defense on the nation, um, and yes, they were they were helped a lot by a, a, a schedule that's not too difficult. But again, mm-hmm. you're going to be playing many of these opponents next season. I know mm-hmm. that those those four teams come in, and, and you're going to end it off. You know, you have road games at Ohio State and USC, I believe, next year. So there's going to be some tough ones. There's going to be some difficult ones uh, coming up that are going to expose you a little bit more. Um, but I think that that is one thing that you look back at this team, uh, and I think you give it credit for because there are teams. Well, and, and part of it was the schedule, but there are teams, especially first-year coaches, where it's just it's tough. There's some games you're just going to get blown out, and mm-hmm. uh, again, it, it, a lot of it had to do with the schedule. But it only happened really against Michigan, and then you know the other game kind of got away from them against Colorado. They were once again one and five in one possession games, and that is very frustrating because that's all we've seen as Nebraska fans, and we're tired of that. And it's a Scott Frost era stat and all that, but. In reality, in year one, to be that close is is a pretty good sign. Um, uh, you look at Oklahoma last year, who's now in the top 15. They were 0-5 in one possession games last season. Even think about Mike Riley's first year here. Back home, how many one-score games did Nebraska lose that yeah, year? Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, I I think that they're, they're again, like you, like you said, you have to step back. You kind of got to breathe in a little bit, and today it might be hard to do so. Um, but I think that this was borderline, uh, at least not, it's hard to say a successful season, but it was not too unsuccessful. It's kind of went about the way that, that you would expect it to be. Nebraska just didn't win a few of the coin flip games. And when you, when we call them coin flip games, some people get mad. <laughs> well, when they're one possession games, that's a coin, you know, can come down to a coin flip, a play here and play there. Nebraska just couldn't come up with those plays and finish one and five in the season in those one possession games. I mean, the, the improvement is, Next year, go three and three in those games. And obviously, you do that this year, you're heading to a bowl game. Before we get into the players and the schemes, I want to start working kind of top down with the coaching staff. With Nebraska as, you know, beat up as it was, and let's not pretend Iowa wasn't either, right? Yep, Missing a lot yep. of its top players, but we'll focus on Nebraska and how how injured the offense was there. When you're at either that that talent disparity or you're, you're that beat up, coaching gets thrust into the spotlight. Decisions that coaches make take on even more importance, and they have to be even better. I, I've always said that elite talent or, you know, can cover for a lack of coaching, and elite coaching can cover for a lack of talent. Anything, only to some degree, right? If you have mediocre coaching, mediocre talent, you're going to be mediocre. If you have elite talent and okay coaching, 
you'll be good. If you have elite coaching and okay talent, you'll be good. But there's kind of a wide range in there. All that to say, Matt Rule took a lot of responsibility this year. A lot of questions about game management a couple times here in this one. Really, throughout the month of November, it was questionable. And Nebraska got away with some you know, end of half, end of quarter decisions, even in the winning streak. So as you look at Matt Rule in the job that he did in year one, how do you judge him? If you gave him a letter grade, a rating from, you know, one to five stars, taking game management, development, whatever else you want to grade him on into account, how do you view the job Matt Rule did this year? Uh, for a grade, I think I think it'd go about a C plus, you know, something in there. I, I think there were questions and, and frustrations with clock management at times. Um, this whole thing has been, I mean, the whole year has been, what do you do with your quarterback position? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a tough. Oh, and we'll pos- get into that. Don't worry, yeah, that, That's a tough position to be in. Um, and I thought he did, you know, admirably. Obviously, got a lot of wins out of Heiner Carberg, um, Chubba Purdy. I think by the end of the year, at least health wise, and just all those things put together, definitely put you in a position. Uh, to get to 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 win probably better so than anybody else on that roster um and again is it, with him especially it's just kind of like overall expectations and and the one thing I was worried about with hiring him was not year three it was year one because he he kind of had this break it down and play young players and all that sort of thing um which really really made the, the teams at temple and Baylor and in, in year one as far as win results terrible mm-hmm. uh this one again close to 500 not quite um but yeah, I mean, I and, and then the other thing is he, he's obviously a very good talker, good, very good speaker, mm-hmm. but I do appreciate some of the things that he does on the podium. I mean, he he basically addresses anything that's out there in the Huskerverse. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of refreshing. It's kind of cool. You don't have to you don't have to like we don't we're not whispering on the sides about something for two weeks because he'll address it. And then, you know, you, you, you can move forward with it. And I think he's also just does a great job of falling on the sword. You know, there's been a few times again today with the after the game questions about mm-hmm. who's to blame to blame for this, who's to blame for that. And it's always me. Put me first. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's a and, and, and then the players, you know, it's important that you hear players. Ty Robinson said part of the reason he's coming back because he sees his coaching staff. Uh, doing well in in the potential that has to come with that, mm-hmm. and so you know I think players there's it's been a few years if we're going to be honest too where players want to run through a wall for their coach and I think Matt Rule's kind of got that back so not perfect by by a long mm-hmm. stretch a lot of things to kind of work out but uh, I would I would say C plus is probably a fair grade for him. That's pretty much where I ended up too. I think again there's two sides to rules talking and how you view it. The the pessimists, the people that are feeling down about the Iowa loss and especially how all of November went are, oh, it's the same sales pitch. He, he's a sweet talker. Um, you know, it's all, all, all sizzle, no steak. But I think there's something to be said for narrative control that Nebraska coaches haven't always done the best. Even college football coaches in general, you know, will let some of those, you know, hushed conversations on the side spiral out of control, no comment or try to avoid it. Matt Rule will address it. And I think that can ease the conscience of a locker room, can make it a little more stable place and not let anything, you know, get in there and fracture and, and spread underneath the surface. At the same time, if you're going to talk like that, results have to come. Sooner than later, results have to come. Or else it is just, you know, falling for, you know, the banana in the tailpipe, as Jay Foreman would say, you know. So it's not bad that Rule's a good talker. You just hope that there's coaching and development and actual tangible wins and losses progress behind it. But you gave him a C plus. That's about where I end up. What that tells me is either we can definitively say this is who Matt Rule is. He's a C plus coach given his overall record in college. Or Matt Rule still has room to grow. We think about development of players first and foremost. Matt Rule has room to grow as a college football coach. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I'm sure he would tell you the same. If he's going to take all this responsibility, say, put it on me, put it on me, put it on me. I want Matt Rule in his own lab this offseason. Not scheming up plays, not, you know, trying to come up with fancy schemes or anything like that, but just relearning the mechanics of being a college coach, of really, truly getting to know that roster, of saying, this is my plan. This is our plan. I'm hiring coordinators and coaches that agree with this plan, that are in lockstep with me. I'm getting players that buy into the vision and can develop into this plan. Because, again, if Nebraska isn't going to all of a sudden be the most talented team in the Big Ten next year, Matt Rule's decisions, personnel-wise, playing time-wise, clock management, 
taken into account as well are going to be amplified again, and he's got to be better next year. Well, and to be clear, this is, you know, the C-plus and the nice grade, and I think the offseason optimism, all that stuff um, that is going to be carried forward with Matt Rule is is limited to this season one. I mean, you have a four-game mm-hmm. losing streak like this next year uh, where there's a lot of questions, uh, questionable, you know, clock management and, and choices made um, down the stretch and you go five and seven next year, you'll have a four-game losing streak. I mean, you, <laughs> people are going to be hot. People are going to be mm-hmm. frustrated. So, you know, you kind of get this, well, you know, all right, we'll kind of let that go. But, you know, there if you, if you grade it in the entirety of the year and the entirety of not just the year, but like what led up to the year, there's obviously, all, you know, other questions about the quarterback. I mean, you put all mm-hmm. your, your eggs in the basket of Jeff Sims, Chase Casey Thompson off of campus. I understand Thompson uh, may have gotten hurt at some point behind this offensive line. But man, would him and Jalen Lloyd be a little bit of fun to watch, you know? Yeah. And that's what I'm kind of looking forward to next year again is, is if you can get a, a quarterback in here that can deliver the ball consistently, they do have some young wide receivers to work with. But, you know, it's it. I, I guess I'll just reiterate to, 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 to that point is that whatever grade you give them, you know, I know a lot of people are going, ah, five and seven, but pretty, you know, that's, that's this year. Then it's done. You know, mm-hmm. next year, you're, whether you're in year two, the expectations from your resume – and just the the general frustration among the Husker fan base, they're going to be wanting uh, seven to eight wins next year, not to be waiting and, and, and biting their fingers on Black Friday of whether they're going to have a successful season or not. You want you you want to like you said a lot of a lot of good words spoken about finishing the fourth quarter and playing important games, and even highlighted how Nebraska just had all these turnovers entering the year. Well, then they're the most turnover pro team in the nation. So, you know, again, you have to kind of follow up on some of those things. And um, I, I suppose just take the pass of the year one at, at what it's worth, which, again, I think is an admirable job. Not great, not terrible. Um, and, and and be able to take that pass this year. But next year, even with that tough schedule, and Nebraska fans are smart. I understand it is a more difficult schedule. But, you know, the landscape of college football is changing. Eight and four next year with losses to USC and Ohio State on the road and throwing another if mm-hmm. if you get good victories outside like that could be a very successful 8 and 4 season. It absolutely could. Um couple grades from the text line 4610 says solid C minus maybe a C. Um then it was Brad from Baldwin says I I give rule a B. He had a tough job with uh, the undeveloped players. Um these players a lot of them were the same when they came out of high school. Um he felt bad for the lack of coaching they got over the last 5 years. A B I can kind of see where you're coming from. I think that tells me that you think the player development aspect is there. Maybe learn some from the game management. But 4610 went on to say, at the end of the day, Northwestern made a bowl game and Nebraska didn't. And that looms large. I think some of the Northwestern conversation has to go back to maybe we were too quick to write them off. You know, that was a lot going on there, but... Maybe we nationally, not just here in Nebraska, but people across the country were too quick to write Northwestern off. They Northwesterned their way to six wins. That's all they did. Nothing crazy, nothing special. They Northwesterned their way to six wins. I think Nebraska wrote off Michigan State a little bit. Oh, they're down to the dumps. What do they have to play for? Here's the thing. These are still college kids playing the game they love in a lot of ways. David Braun at Northwestern did an admirable job. Credit to him. Does he get to six wins at Nebraska? Maybe, maybe not. I think that's a funny kind of hypothetical game to play. I don't, I don't know if it has a whole lot of relevance. Nebraska's coaches could have made better decisions to get Nebraska to six wins. Nebraska's players could have made a couple more plays to get them to six wins. It's not all on Matt Rule. It's not all on Marcus Satterfield. It's not all on Tony White. Everyone needs to be better. Again, I've said that for like the last month and a half here, Bach. I feel like a broken record, but I think... Fans are saying, oh, this is the clear culprit for what went wrong for Nebraska. Obviously, offensive turnovers, you know, killed this team. Not all of them are on Marcus Satterfield. <laughs> you know, yeah. not all of them are on the quarterbacks. Everyone had a part to play in Nebraska, ultimately falling one win short, but even just one play short in a few different games. So there's a lot for Nebraska to to work on as they move into the offseason, trying to get back to a bowl for the first time since 2016. He's Bach. I'm Austin. We've taken a kind of a big picture look here. Let's start drilling down into some of the players we saw here in the Iowa game. Some players we didn't see in the Iowa game. What's the outlook for next year? We'll talk offense. We'll talk defense. We'll talk special teams. And we still want your thoughts at 402-464-5685. More postgame coverage next year on The Ticket. Jake Foreman, Postgame Show. 
Sponsored by Tanner's Bar and Grill, Vinnie Kreekak, Elway Power Sports of Lincoln, and Action Plumbing, Heating, AC, and Electrical. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Austin and Bach back with you here on 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. If you have any thoughts, uh, big picture on Nebraska football or the drill down on this Iowa game, 13-10, to 10, the Hawkeyes walk off the Huskers yet again. Get revenge from last year's Husker win in Iowa City. Bach, we're going to go through the offense and the defense and the special teams, I suppose. We'll start with today's game against Iowa, and we'll use that to transition our way into some some bigger picture thoughts on these guys and on the, the future of the position. Let's start at quarterback. I think it's the obvious one, but it makes sense. Chubba Purdy today gets the start. 15 of 28 for 189 yards, had the 66-yard touchdown to Jalen Lloyd over the top. Uh, then the interception that was late. Generally, I thought Chubba Purdy looked pretty good. Matt Rule said in post game he was a little skittish um, in the pocket, didn't step up, looked to scramble maybe a little bit too early, but Chubba Purdy got settled down, was really good on third down in medium and long, hit a couple really nice conversions. And there at the end, not a good throw by Chubba Purdy on the interception. I'm willing to give Iowa credit on that. They didn't drop a defensive end much at all, all day. They do there in a big moment. Phil Parker had the right call at the right time. You'd like Chubba Purdy to see that. But again, it sums up that it wasn't the mistake. It was the timing of the mistake more than anything. Chubba Purdy looked in these last two games and even throw the, the drive against Maryland in there. He looked like he has the highest ceiling of any quarterback on this Nebraska roster. I'm not 100% sold that he has the job, you know, as next year's starting quarterback locked up. But I think if you're Nebraska, you want to keep him around, give him a full offseason of development, tell him that he's in competition to be your starting quarterback, but that he's not handed the job. Yeah, I, I thought so, too. I mean, and again, you, you kind of look at his body of work now, uh, basically a two minute drill quick against Maryland through the, the game losing pick there. Uh, did so again today with the full game, also the full game, obviously, against Wisconsin. Um, I, I get it. I mean, I, I see things with Purdy where you could be excited about him, at least as far as this roster goes, because he's got some mobility. Um, <laughs> it's it's just tough, though, because especially with today, he's, he kind of fell back into that turnover prone quarterback. And, and I know, again, the interception was mm-hmm. one thing, but the two fumbles he had, um, one just you know, was by himself running and looked mm-hmm. like he could maybe get a first down on a play and keep the momentum going for Nebraska. And I know he's, uh, what is he, a sophomore uh, on on the depth chart, but he's like 24 years old or something. You know, so it, it's tough. I, I don't think he quite has the excuse of he's a young quarterback. Mm-hmm. You can say game reps now that he's getting those in there. I think that they're, I think you're right. I think that he would be sufficient, um, as a quarterback, maybe you could feel like you could win some big 10 games with him, like Matt Rule said. But as far as like extreme upside and positivity and really believing in this offense taking the next step, I think it'd be kind of more of the same if you enter next year mm-hmm. with Trevor Purdy or Heinrich Harburg. I think both those guys at this point in their careers have, have somewhat proven that they're solid. They can play. You can, you can throw them in there, um, but would be much better for Nebraska if they were kind of in a backup role. Now, who knows? Maybe one of them can take a big step this offseason and really provide competition for whoever it is that they bring in. If they don't bring in anybody, then I think that there's already a ceiling to this offense. But he did hit a, another big throw with Jalen Lloyd. Um, but I think, what is that, uh, two games you've started, you're you're still struggling to... <laughs> I mean, on the season, they averaged 18. I think since he started, there's, there's, their totals have come down a little bit. So while there is a little bit of of, of more excitement and maybe belief there, um, I don't think he's done enough for would for me to be overly excited about the future of Nebraska football if he is at the helm. I'm with you there, Heinrich Harburg. I'm okay if he's back on the team next year as a backup. If he's the starter, I, I don't love it. I also don't know how good a fit Heinrich Harburg is for what Marcus Satterfield wants to do. And this is where, again, I think part of the growth of Matt Rule is identifying what he wants this offense to be. Someone asked, you know, what in the world is the identity of Nebraska's offense? I don't think Marcus Satterfield wants to be a, a ground and pound win with defense team. I think, he, I think he wants to throw the ball around quite a bit. And that's fine if you have the quarterback to do it. I didn't hate today's game plan. I think you can you could see the outline of what Nebraska was going for. 30 carries for 75 yards on the ground. 42 of that from Trevor Purdy. 27 from Emmett Johnson. But there were looks there 
in the passing game. I just don't know if Harburg is consistent enough as a passer with his mechanics and his touch and his accuracy. I think he's a good change of pace as a backup kind of guy, but then it's obvious what you're going to do. But again, this is where you have to pull in coaching and decision-making. The Jeff Sims question. He could come back next year. I doubt that happens. If he does, I don't know if he sees the field. Yeah, I really don't know if he does see the field, if he should see the field. I don't know what else is out there for Jeff Sims. I assume he'll graduate, so I assume he'll be able to grad transfer somewhere. His stock tanked. Mm-hmm. Who knows where he would, would even end up. But I still think if you're in Nebraska, you go to the transfer portal and look for a quarterback. Yeah, without a doubt. I think Will Rogers just entered the quarterback mm-hmm. discussion. Uh, the transfer portal yesterday after Mississippi State fell short. Uh, of their bowl game hopes after losing in the Egg Bowl. And, you know, he's a guy that, again, it just kind of depends on what you want in the offense. If Satterfield really does want to fling the ball all around, you could get a Will Rogers. He mm-hmm. doesn't provide you much in the ground, but he, he, he has thrown the ball around. He's got a long uh, history of doing that with the Bulldogs. Um, and, I again, I, I kind of agree with you. Like, usually I would say with this team, especially with Harburg in, I don't want 28 passes. Nope. With Purdy... I mean, especially with the way they weren't able to get the traditional run game going, the end rounds weren't doing anything. I mean, I would just kind of had all that stuff figured out, and and so I mean, I think that that's I, I think it was an okay game plan today. I, I agree with you, even with twenty eight passes, and usually you know Nebraska's kind of been doing two to one run to pass. Today mm-hmm. it was more fifty fifty, but um, I think they they did what they had to do to try to get this offense moving. But I mean, ultimately the goal, and again we'll go through more of these positions, but. A lot of this has just been grading on a curve based on how right. bad this offense is and mm-hmm. what really you know Satterfield's limited with. Uh, they uh, uh, more than anything, you need to be able to go into next year and grade based, based not on a curve, grade based on just how would you normally go out there and call a game if you didn't have one of the worst you know traditional Big Ten West mm-hmm. offenses. Uh, they need to take a big step up there, and I don't think. I don't think there's a whole lot of hope in doing that if you stick with the same quarterbacks. Nebraska outgains Iowa on the day. Neither offense tops 275 total yards. Nebraska at 264, Iowa at 257. Huskers throw for a buck 89, only run for 75. And we'll get to that in a second. Eight of 17 on third down. Again, some really nice completions from Chuba Purdy. I think Malachi Coleman had a conversion. Alex Bullock had a couple of them as well. That was a job well done. Iowa, you know, despite the 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 special teams turnover. And then the, you know, turnover on the interception. Iowa only runs 10 more plays than Nebraska, thanks in large part to Nebraska having the ball most of that third quarter and early on into the fourth quarter. Nebraska outgained Iowa in terms of average yards per play by almost a full yard. You know, you average 12.6 yards per completion. Now, only two and a half yards per rush against a tough run defense. We'll get to the Nebraska defense and how they held up against the run, but let's look at the running game. You were looking at season leaders, and Heinrich Harburg ends up your <laughs> leading <Yeah>. <laughs> rusher for the season despite not playing the last two games and not really playing much in the first couple games, if at all. So that's something to note. Anthony Grant wasn't the bona fide number one we thought he was going to be coming into the year. Gabe Irvin got hurt. A bright spot, though, is Emmett Johnson. Only 27 yards today with, with a long of six. I saw enough from Emmett Johnson over the last five, six weeks of the season to say, He's got work to do, but I think he's a piece you feel good about. Next year, though, Bach, even though so much of it depends on the offensive line, Nebraska needs a dependable go-to number one running back to be their leading rusher. If the quarterback is the leading rusher for Nebraska next year, I would say things have gone off the rails again. Yeah, and obviously, you know, the early season injuries, maybe you'll get Ramir back, Gabe, uh, you know, hopefully can come back. I mean, he's been so injury-battled. I don't know if you expect a full season out of him next year, even if he does Can come you? back. I, I don't think it would be fair to. Um, so it, it's it's kind of interesting where they are. I agree with you. Emmett Johnson showed enough flashes, especially in some what could have been game-winning drives the last couple of weeks. Today really didn't get it going. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, you know, but you can't just force a number one guy. You, you need to kind of have that guy. I don't mm-hmm. know if you had flashes from anybody that would quite do that for you. Um, so I'd be interested to see if there's any movement there. Um, they're losing a couple senior guys, a couple guys to make decisions. So that will be interesting. Obviously, Quentin Ives will jump into uh, a, a bigger role next season as well. But if they want, and they led the Big Ten in rushing, and we'll, we'll see if the stats kind of fi- figure out that way, but they seem to be on their way. 
um, which is amazing considering they don't have a guy rush for over 500 yards this year, and it was just by committee type of approach. So again, when you're when you're grading this, like that's something that's pretty impressive. They're pretty close to leading the the Big Ten in rush defense and close to leading the Big Ten in rushing, and those are staples that I think you know can help this program quite a bit moving forward. Um, but again, it, it's to take that next step instead of you know a kind of team committee approach. Let's mm-hmm. let's get somebody that that is a little bit more feared. Maybe Emmett could be that guy. He's, he's short in stature, not very big. Um, so could he take on that role, even even if he is your best back? It, question marks there. And and then, again, just today, you know, like you said, it has a lot to do with the offensive line and if they can open things up. Um, again, credit to Iowa's rushing, rushing defense to really throw Nebraska off so that they had to go to kind of this 50-50 play calling mm-hmm. rather than, uh, you know, 60-40 or wherever you would go with the rush typically. Text line, let us know your thoughts on who you think should be the starting running back for Nebraska next year. Is it Gabe Irvin? Is it Ramir Johnson? Is it Emmett Johnson? Is it a transfer portal guy? Is it Quint Knives like Bach throughout there? Let us know at 402-464-5685. Before we get into the receivers, Bach, the offensive line, not its best day um, and couple penalties, but I thought generally it was fine all year. It wasn't a, a huge step to being a, a big positive and overwhelming strength for this Nebraska team. But given the conversations about Donovan Raiola coming into this year, oh, he's just around so they can try to get his nephew. Oh, he's so bad. You know, he's a first-year college coach coming from an assistant, you know, uh, assistant line coach in the pros to college. I think Donovan Raiola is a good coach. I think this offensive line improved from last year. Bryce Benhart played the best football of his career. Teddy Prohaska, when he got healthy, wasn't great, but was fine. Um, again, a lot of moving parts there with Ethan Piper going down, Turner Corcoran. I still think out of position at left tackle. Ben Scott was fine, you know, maybe not as elite as Nebraska would have asked him to be coming in, but he was fine. He wasn't a big problem necessarily. I think Donovan Raiola did a solid job on the offensive line, and one guy I would look at there is Justin Evans Jenkins, mm-hmm. who wasn't didn't play today, I don't think. Uh, I don't recall seeing him in there at least, but especially compared to last year's offensive line, I thought Nebraska's offensive line was at least on the whole better this year, if not perfect. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I agree with you. It, it's it's far from the pipeline days, obviously, <laughs> but it is a step forward again, um, maybe to an offensive line that I think was making strides at the end of last year. So, you know, you're going into year three of Riola next year, and you've got a lot of guys coming back. And it's... It's again, this is not a, a good launch <laughs> into the offseason because today particularly they couldn't get anything going on the ground. Um, but somewhat admirable job as far as uh, pass protection, I think, this year uh, and, and, and certainly today as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a step forward and, and you hopefully you can, again, take that next step. A lot of these, a lot of these positions and a lot of the, like every part we're talking about Nebraska football is where are they at? Where were they? Is it just, you know, are these small step forwards? It's not a giant step forward, but at least it's kind of on that path. And I think that's where the offensive line is. Whereas the last couple off seasons, I'd go into them and go, well, you just don't have an offensive line. So throw this out there and they're going to have to do that until they get one. I think going into this offseason and the chatter going into next season isn't going to be, well, they have such a weak offensive line that that's kind of what held them back and they're going to need to do this and that. Um, it, it, I, I think they've done enough to say, okay, they can they can get going on, on certain days. Still mm-hmm. kind of need, yeah, again, to take that next step to, to where you would have a dominant rushing game with a, with a leader um, and not just kind of by overall approach and quarterback scrambling and all that. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think a pretty good job, and, and maybe we'll go a little under notice probably, um, but a pretty good job this year from Royal and that crew. Um, before we take a break, Matthew and Hickman says Emmett Johnson would be his choice for the starting running back. Uh, he goes on to say more Matthew. We'll maybe get to that in our next segment. A guy we didn't talk about a lot all year was A.J. Allen, who transferred out of Nebraska to Miami. Uh, we talked a lot about Casey Thompson and his departure A.J. Allen, I don't know what he would have been on this Nebraska team. I don't think he completely changes the fortune of this offense, but that's a talented, dynamic young guy you would have liked to have had around. But just for reference at Miami, um, he's played in seven games, uh, ran the ball 58 times for 282 yards. That's right about five yards a pop. Does have four touchdowns. So maybe that's a, a loss that loomed large for Nebraska this year. But again, credit Emmett Johnson for stepping up, you know, right about midseason when his number was called. We'll take a break. We'll update you on Husker Volleyball on the road in Madison to wrap up this hour of postgame. Then we'll get into the receivers, the defense, the special teams, and plenty more. Whatever's on your mind, you can let us know on our Sarder Hammond text line, 402 464 
5685. Wrapping up this hour of postgame after this. Jay Foreman postgame show. Sponsored by Tanner's Bar and Grill, Vinnie Kreekak, Elway Power Sports of Lincoln, and Action Plumbing, Heating, AC, and Electrical. On 937 the ticket and the ticketfm.com. Well, day of pain gets even more painful. Wisconsin sweeps Nebraska in volleyball. I think it was 25-22 in the first set, 28-26 in the second, and then all Badgers in the third. I think they went at 25-16 as the scorebook just disappeared before I could get it written down. So, nope, no undefeated season for Nebraska volleyball, but they do still, of course, win the Big Ten Conference Championship in the regular season. I still expect the Huskers will earn a a one seed in the NCAA tournament, but they will play uh, Minnesota tomorrow to wrap up the regular season. I'm Austin Norman. He is Jake Bakov. And Bach, any thoughts on volleyball at all? Uh, well, just keep your head up. It's tough to go undefeated in any sport. Um, obviously, um, Wisconsin about is, it has been the thorn in Nebraska's side in volleyball for 10 years or whatever it's been mm-hmm. uh, and, and continues to be. So, I mean, that was one you would hope uh, they could have, you know, obviously built off that victory earlier uh, from, in the Bob Devaney Sports Center. Um, but uh, still, like you said, goal to enter the season was to win the Big Ten Championship. They've done that. Um, and uh, still one of the best teams in, in volleyball. And, and sometimes it's good, you know, to kind of have your confidence, uh, remind yourself that you're, you're not where you need to be quite yet. Get a loss out of the way early. Something That's like right. that. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> we, we find ways to, to find uh, good, good things to say after losses. We'll spin it. We'll That's what we it. do here. Yeah. We're spin artists. Um, so, yeah, Nebraska <laughs> likely dropping out of the top spot in the poll. Uh, we'll see how Husker Soccer is doing. I haven't seen an update on that. All right, back to football, Bach. Let's finish up our conversation on the Husker football offense with the pass catchers, we'll call them. Not just wide receivers, but tight ends. Billy Kemp, uh, the leading receiver on the season, um, catches four passes today for 21 yards. He was fine. Not, you know, Trey Palmer, some Murray Ture level. Dealt with a little bit of an injury there for a few weeks. Not great as a punt returner, even though that was his job coming into the season. Um, he was fine. Not a, not the biggest impact. Expected a little bit more from him. Um, Alex Bullock played this year, which is more than I think you expected. <laughs> um, let's go to a returner who got his first extended action before we get to some of the younger pieces and the freshmen. Thomas Fedoni. How do you grade Thomas Fedoni's contributions this year? How do you view his first uh, full season of action for this team? Well, boy, it st- certainly started better than it, than it finished. And I was going to look, look at his game log because it kind of felt like that. Like early in the season, it was like, okay, he can, he's he's a piece that they can use and he's coming along well. And he, he's done pretty well in, 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 in certain times at blocking. But then at other times, it's kind of highlighted that he's kind of missing the block. Um, I, again, kind of like what you said with Kemp, and maybe it's just because the overall passing game was down. Just expected a little more. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, I don't think they had necessarily bad seasons. They were, um, you know, some of the top threats and some of the top guys, to, to be quite honest, that um, that the defense is keyed in on. So it makes it mm-hmm. a little bit even more difficult. And the kind of volume guys that. Thoughts on anything that we're talking about? Let us know. 402. 402- Four six four five six eight five. We'll get back on the radio here as soon as we can. But if you're watching on stream, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, as well as Allo Channel nine fifty one, feel free to drop a comment on any of those platforms. It'll come across the ticker, and we'll make sure we see it. We'll turn the page here, Bach, from the offense to the defense. Clearly, the better unit this year, um, top twenty five unit nationally in a lot of rankings. I go back to this, Bob. The defense isn't to blame. Again, starting with today's game against Iowa, and then we'll work bigger picture from there. The defense played well. Hold Iowa under 300 total yards, um, 94 passing yards. Hill goes 11 of 28, does throw that interception to Tommy Hill. Thought you might have had another one earlier in the game, but I thought Nebraska's defense held up pretty well against the pass. The rush defense took a step backwards. LaShawn Williams goes 16 carries for 111 yards, had that 53-yard burst. But again, Bach, what I've been saying is the defense is just one play or one series away from taking that step from good to great, even after Chubba Purdy's interception. Not a good throw. Credit Iowa for calling the right defense at the right time. If the defense tackles at the line of scrimmage, Iowa's probably trying a 45 or 50-yarder instead of a what was it, 30-something, yeah, 38-yarder from the 21-yard line. If they, they tackled pretty well all game, but 
in the key drive. They need to step up and make a play. They're not able to. So I think for me, as I look at the offense, the turnovers were clearly its undoing, but there was you know some moments of competence where you can see the outline of an offense. On the flip side, for the defense, it was so good most of the time, but in a different way, it's just that one player, that one series that helped contribute to some of these one-score losses. Yeah, we talk about game-winning drives that have hurt Nebraska. I think they've got three field goals on them now, uh, and obviously the overtime game, um, they do quite literally come down to those final drives that Nebraska mm-hmm. kind of gave up. And and again, it, it's frustrating, like you said, kind of mo- open uh, tackle. Um, you had Gifford, your leading tackler by far this year, with the chance to you know make that tackle, and, and ultimately Whiff. Williams got free. Um, which pretty much uh, secured the ball game there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, 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 it's it's a little bit frustrating to see it in there. But again, from where this defense was at the beginning of last year to where is it where it is now, and again, a lot of credit to the interim staff to kind of get them along that path. And then uh, to this defensive staff, you know, they're going to be top 15 after today. Uh, it was kind of looking at the stats in, in total defense, in, in scoring defense, and in rushing defense. Three good categories That's, to be top 15 in. Yeah, and there's a few other they're, they're banging on the door on uh, and might be in there as well. That's it, that's that's quite impressive, and that's something that I would take, you know, year in and year out. Let me sign up for that. Um, like you said, it's just kind of the, the, those moments. And then I think there's also um, this, they just kind of lack the the superstar. They've got a lot of good players. They've they, You know, you need somebody to kind of step up and, 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 and make those kind of big plays in that moment. And I think that that's what, you know, the return of Ty Robinson and Nash Maker can give him. You can say, well, they're the same guys. Yeah, but next year, another level of offseason, those guys are dominant right now. Um, and it, it, it just to go into another season, you're a year older than everybody else. Again, a lot of you know younger guys in the conference sliding in, trying to take their first Big Ten reps against these guys. I think you've got maybe two superstars going into next season. So, I, I mean, I think... A lot of a lot of upside there with them as well. Of course, the big question is going to be Tony White and, and who's who's the defensive mm-hmm. coordinator if it's not him. It almost feels like Nebraska bringing Ty Robinson, who then also announced that Nash Hutmaker was coming back in post game, um, might be next year's version of what Illinois brought back this year in Jerjon Newton and Keith Randolph. Mm. You know, two All Big Ten caliber guys that took that step. Elsewhere on the defensive line, Bach, um, Blaze Gunnerson, you saw some moments from as a part time starter. Cam Lenhart, we heard, you know, was a freshman beyond his years. He played pretty well. I hope there's a jump in him. I'm going to throw Prince Mel Uman Mielen in oh, yeah. that conversation, even though he's listed at Jack Linebacker. Made a couple really nice plays today. Good tackle for loss in the backfield. Jamari Butler made the most consistent impact of his career. James Williams didn't play in order to save his redshirt. That's a guy that came absolutely out of nowhere. Huge credit to Terrence Knighton for getting that group ready to play. Huge credit to, to Tony White, who we'll talk more about in this segment in a little bit. But I think we finally saw Nebraska's defensive line start to reach its potential. Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely think so. And like you said, a lot, a lot of those guys coming back, a lot of those guys, uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of it's great to do it as a unit as well. It's not you can't just key in and double team one mm-hmm. guy, um, you know, so you, they're just throwing a lot of different things at you. And that's what I was been able to do over mm-hmm. the years and, and did again this year. There's not necessarily anybody's stats that you're like, whoa, it's a lot of sacks or, you know, that's a lot mm-hmm. of tackles for loss. Um, but it is just, it, it's a unit that uh, we've talked about it for years and the offensive line is getting better, but Nebraska, where Nebraska has really been hurt. And we talk about differences between seasons that just came up in, in, in short and bowl games. A lot of times it's been that front line play. Mm-hmm. And this year, the offensive line again, improved, not great, but the defensive line uh, is banging on the door of great. Like I said, maybe just short of that because of not coming up big on certain plays. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just a lot of, a lot of pieces uh, to be subbed in and out of there and to get better um, that you've got to believe as good as they were this year, they could even be even better going in the next season. Let's look at the linebackers, a level back here for Nebraska football. I was a little underwhelmed by the linebackers this year. You think about the guys they had coming into the year in Henrich and Reimer as the returners um, at that level. You think of the guys at the Jack position, you get two SEC transfers, MJ Sherman and Chief Borders from big-time programs out of the SEC. I don't think the linebackers were terrible. They were fine. I just expected more out of pretty much every one of those guys. I mean, Ryan ends up, what, your second-leading tackler on the year. Um, No, even further down the list, he only played in in nine games. He was 
pretty high on the list here today. Yeah, second leading tackler today. He was fine, solid throughout the year. Henrich kind of faded. John Bullock, you know, played a pretty big role for this team. He was solid. But that Jack linebacker spot, they need more production out of. In the run game, it was fine, but especially getting after the quarterback. Not a lot of disruption or havoc from that spot. Yeah, and I, I think Reimer played uh, with his hair on fire at times. And I think today there was, there was times when he does it. And, you know, he's played so well over his career that maybe he didn't play quite as well as he did in previous years. So people will say he didn't, you know, maybe fell off a little bit, but he was still a big part of this team. And I, th- I think he did a, he did a heck of a job again today. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, and, and maybe part of that is the byproduct of your, your front line doing so well as you can't right. you know, clean up a bunch of tackles and end up leading the team in tackles. But uh, a little bit play more playmaking out of that group uh, could certainly be uh, how this team takes kind of that next step in the defense if you want to get a little bit better. Um, but, you know, those guys, it, it's going to be interesting to see who the new faces are there because Nick Henrich, another torn ACL, mm-hmm. I mean, it, at some point, if he comes back, miraculous good, but I don't know if you want to put, count that into the expected category. Um, Luke Reimer obviously moving along. Uh, Bullock, for what it's worth, and got a lot of preseason praise, kind of faded out of the picture a little bit as that mm-hmm. was playing time. So um, that's one unit that's going to have a little bit of a question mark to it, but because it wasn't overly dynamic this year, um, I think you can kind of fill those roles. You can throw Mackay Bayer in that conversation yeah. as well, a guy that uh, made some plays on special teams early on and carved out a rotational role there. If you have thoughts on, on the defense, let us know, 402-464-5685. That's the starter Heyman text line. You can also leave a comment on stream, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter comments all available for you. One level of the defense to go before we get into special teams. Defensive backs. Again, I would say that was a solid B this year for that group. Quint Newsom was fine, solid as he ever was. Malcolm Hartzog a little up and down is a sophomore. The safeties, though, I thought were generally solid. Throw the rover into that conversation as well. Omar Brown took a big step from last year to this year. Deshaun Singleton, the JUCO transfer from last year, was a starter before he went down with an injury. Marquise Buford basically picked up right where he left off from last year. And then the rover position. Isaac Gifford, your leading tackler. And Javen Wright really made some splash plays here over you know the last few weeks coming into this game. I was relatively impressed with Nebraska's defensive backfield uh, for the most part this year. Again, faltered occasionally in a couple moments. You thought Tommy Hill's pick today would have been Nebraska's chance. Hey, they finally forced that turnover to give themselves the the opportunity to go down and win this game. But I, I, I was pretty happy with the Nebraska secondary as a whole this year. Yeah, Tommy Hill, four picks on the season. So he really kind of developed as that thing went along. Also, uh, Phelan Sanford for stepping yeah. in when, when mm-hmm. he had to. I mean, he's absolutely, he's not the biggest guy on the field, Mm-mm. but sometimes he's taking hits like he is. Um, so it was it was good to see him kind of fill in that role. And I, th- I know he had a big tackling day as well today. Mm-hmm. Um for all those numbers that we did point out, top 15, I think passing defense going in today was 58th. It'll probably step up a little bit. Um, it, it, it's clearly not the strength of their, their their team, and they weren't overly tested against passing offenses to begin right. with. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's kind of always like the Big Ten West grading on a curve type of deal. Um, but I think they were solid, unspectacular, and, you know, against some heavy passing teams might kind of be at least, you know, the weaker weaker side, obviously, of the defense. Um, but you you can only play who you play and play who's in front of you. And they did a pretty good job this year, I think, in doing that. Um, but like you said, just a little bit of ups and downs here and there from certain guys probably leads, leads you to believe maybe they could have got a little bit more out of this um, passing defense. But, you know, there's a time in this game, and it might have been, again, maybe more to Huttmacher's hit on, on, on Deacon Hill, but mm-hmm. where I was basically just kind of gave up on passing. They're like one of mm-hmm. ten in a row. Um, so, you know, at certain times, very, very good. Um, and then, you know, like you were saying with this defense, too, I mean, there was just a couple penalties or timely plays that they just missed uh, that could have provided some some victories. The Yeah, there's a whole list. We don't have to go and go through and relitigate all of them. About 10 minutes left here on our postgame coverage of Nebraska's loss to Iowa 13-10 to Hawkeyes over the Huskers. Let's turn the page to that off-forgotten Third phase of the game, special teams. We'll start with the returns, Bach, before we get into the specialists. Still not good enough. Punt return, we know the issues um, in terms of fair catching with room to run or fair catching inside the 10. That needs to get cleaned up. Another fumble on punt return today uh, among a handful of them that we saw all year. 
and not a dynamic element in the kick return game either. The one that stands out is Ramir Johnson's, you know, 60 something yarder uh, to open the second half against Minnesota. But you thought Billy Kemp was going to be a weapon, a real factor in the punt return game. We didn't see that. And even the young guys in the kick return game didn't give you a whole lot. So I think Nebraska's return game and punts and kicks um, in terms of actually, you know, catching and running the ball back, not, not kick coverage. That gets a D for me. It needs to be a lot better next year. Yeah, no, I'd agree with you. And, and I, I think uh, overall, some of those blocked kicks today, which obviously helped highlight the special teams play of today uh, will help a little bit, but overall the season just in totality, not all that impressive. I, I, I mean, I, I think eventually you've got Ivano nine of 14 or somewhere around there. Uh, would want to do a little bit better with those numbers. Obviously, Bleak Road was 9 of 12 the previous mm-hmm. year. Um, Bushini, I don't think, had his best year again today. A little bit up and down. Obviously, had the big punt uh, down to the one-yard line, which was good. But he was he was a little bit more inconsistent than you'd want uh, from a guy that we know that can play at his level. So I think altogether, special teams could use a little oomph. They're, they're just mm-hmm. what, you know, it was okay, just not not great. And just like you said, no electricity out of the return game once Ramir went down, which was early in the season. Um, and, you know, Ethan Nation fumbling today, it's a freshman problem, but it's, I mean, it makes you, makes you question whether returning is the, is the right idea a few weeks after getting all frustrated with them for, for fair catching it. But they told you by, with that fair catch strategy, where they were in the return game mm-hmm. and then where they are by the end of the season. And that was a commonality among the Scott Frost teams too, is by the end of the season, they weren't even returning kicks in uh, uh, punts. And so, you know, I don't know if that's an athlete thing. Sometimes you just need that, that one guy that on the roster that can change uh, the direction of that, we saw that with the Mornay Pearson all mm-hmm. well L all the way back in in 2014 from Jamal 20- Turner. Yep, there's a few there's a few guys that that certainly could could help. Um, but when you think of those Bobby Newcombs or Dewan Grosses or those names that we're talking about, Terrence Nunn one year, even Amir and JD did some yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, and but all of them, you know, their one return was better than Nebraska's total this year. Right. Uh, to let you know just kind of how bad it was. Obviously, you'd have to pick one of their you know decent returns, but. <laughs> That's that's uh, that's where it, it can be kind of frustrating, and, and for again, for an offense that's going to struggle as much as they are, you know, that could be the change. We talk about all these small plays here and there, but even a spark on on special teams returns, as we saw with Iowa and Cooper DeGene earlier in the year, that could be you know something that takes you from a five win to a six or seven win team, and still looking forward to to a game here this season. Hidden yards, they they absolutely add up. Just ask Iowa. Talking special teams here in our last few minutes of postgame 402-464-5685 if you have any thoughts. I thought coverage units were generally pretty good for Nebraska. I don't think Nebraska allowed a return touchdown all year off the top of my head, which is which is positive. And then the specials. You touched on them a little bit. I think Alvano's still fine moving forward. Yes, you look at Timmy Bleakroad, who uh, basically rode the bench aside from really that that one fake that Nebraska ran successfully and on the fake that's field right. goal. Matt Rule said that's why they ran the kicking team out there for what would have been the 60-yarder that results in the Bushini punt down to the one-yard line. I don't think Iowa was going to fall for that unless you know they did have a returner back there waiting to catch it. Nebraska had a numbers advantage maybe, but I think you know game management, like we talked about with his coaching staff, absolutely plays into to special teams to some degree, but I bring up Tristan Alvano and his nine of, I think, 15 it was. He was one for yeah. two on the day, eight of 13 coming in. Drew Brown as a freshman, 14 of 21. That's a little better. So Tristan Alvano would have had to go five for his last six. But Drew Brown was not great as a freshman, kind of rough. Now, Nebraska did put up uh, 59 touchdowns, so he is perfect on extra points. But after that, Drew Brown went up to 78% and then 86% his next couple years. So, yeah, Alvano wasn't perfect. Um, had a really rough stretch there in the the early middle part of the season. I'm going to count on him to bounce back and just be the next Drew Brown. It's kind of where I'm at with him. Yeah, and and he's got the leg. He had what a 55 yarder mm-hmm. this season. I mean, so there's there's definitely reasons to be excited excited about him moving forward. And you're right, it, you know that's that's a tough thing to ask of a of a young guy stepping right in. Um, I'll just say this, and and it, and hopefully he gets to that point. But you're not you're not at a point where he trots out there and you're going oh, here's three right you're right. still kind of going mm-hmm. oh let, you know let's see how this goes mm-hmm. and in each of the last two games obviously he missed a pivotal field goal in the thirteen to ten games so mm-hmm. um, yeah it's, it's no reason to think it was an unsuccessful season or that he doesn't have a bright future um, 
And, and in fact, again, it just kind of leads me to believe, along with Bushini, is that I, I kind of feel like there's a little bit more there, could have done a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And whether that's on the players or the coaches to kind of put them in that position or, you know, get in their head to kind of get in that position, um, it, it leaves me a little wanting a little bit more out of the special teams unit because I think the talent's a little bit uh, you know, a little bit ahead of what the results were. Mm-hmm. Swift and Lincoln, we see our text. We'll get to that here in just a sec. Bushini, I thought, took a big step backwards. You know, I think he kind of redeemed himself with the punt down to the one-yard line today, well covered by the guy you brought up earlier too, Phelan Sanford. But so many shanks, so many, you know, 30-something yard punts with the wind at his back when he could have really uncorked a couple and changed field position Again, the margin for error for this Nebraska team was so small this year as they finished five and seven. If Brian Bushini, you know, was three yards better per punt on average, which would have, I think, hit basically what his goal was coming into the year, maybe that's enough to, to flip one of these games. Nebraska needs more out of special teams. It started out okay, but again, with the, with the margin of error this small, Nebraska's got to get out of the hundreds in special teams. Even just get up into like the 60s. You know, yeah. nationally, be just an average special teams unit. I mean, we talked about that Scott Frost whole tenure here. But again, I think taking the leap from really bad to average shouldn't be that difficult. Yeah, and, and, and for him specifically, too. I mean, there's a, there was a time we're at the 50-yard line, and he didn't have too many punts inside the 20. And he got it to like the 20, maybe 19-yard line. So technically, <laughs> it's going to count as inside the 20, but it still wasn't a, a great punt. Obviously, he did get that one down to the one-yard line, his best punt of the year, at least as far as placement goes. And he's got the ability to really boom him. You know, mm-hmm. that's where he kind of gets the boom machine. In <laughs> right. But uh, didn't do that consistently enough. And, and you're right. It, it, you're not asking. It's kind of like the offensive line, the step forward they took this year, which is just go from terrible to average mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or, or bad to average. And if they do that in special teams and pretty much on offense next year, you're talking about a completely different uh, club and, and a completely different record. All right, let's get to this from Swift in Lincoln on the defense. Um, he says, can you all look at the rushing yards given up by the defense during the second half of the year compared to the first half? Um, feels like teams were able to find ways to run the ball against the black shirts. Nebraska faced better teams in the second half of the year. I mean, go back and look at the Michigan box score. That was in the first half yeah. of the year and Michigan ran the ball pretty much whenever it wanted to and however it wanted to in that game. Nebraska did a good job of limiting Illinois for the most part. Even Minnesota in game one went away from it. Colorado didn't really try. You handle your two other non-con opponents pretty well. I think some of that perception is reality because Nebraska was facing teams that ran the ball better, that have more of that identity. I mean, Braylon Allen, you, you hold him to 62 yards, but that was more than enough for Wisconsin that game. Um, LaShawn Williams goes over 100 on 16 carries today with a couple bad tackles from Nebraska. Um, and even the Maryland game, I didn't think Maryland ran the ball all that well, but Hemby got going on that last drive to get them into uh, field goal range to ultimately win it. So, yeah, I think the, the run defense was maybe a, a, a product of the schedule that Nebraska played early on. Maybe it was never, you know, tops in the nation, but Bach, you, you brought it up. Nebraska's going to finish the year ranked in the top 15 in rush defense. So, yeah, you would have liked them to be a little bit better down the stretch, but top 15 in the country is still top 15 in the country. Yeah, and they were averaging somewhere like 85 yards given up. That's just that's just tough to keep up with. Mm-hmm. But you are, I mean, they are right. The last few games, I remember the Maryland just barely got past 100, so they finished mm-hmm. with 101, and it was the second time because Michigan was the only other team to get over 100 yards rushing, I believe, against Nebraska, if my memory serves me correctly. And so the final three games, they did give up more than 100 yards. So it did tail off a little bit there, but I think you're right, too, in, in saying that part of that is just... You know, that's Wisconsin and Iowa at the end. That's, you know, they're going to need a little bit out of the rushing game uh, traditionally to get the win. And although Wisconsin kind of shifted their identity, I think they kind of went back to that in the second half mm-hmm. against Nebraska. Um, and in Iowa, a lot of it was just off, uh, you know, a few big runs, which, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a 53 yarder and 11 yarder and then the, the 20 something yarder yeah. to get them in the field goal range. Yeah. So, I mean, for a majority of the night did a good job against it, but a few big runs, uh, let it go. And, you know, again, I don't know if that's they're, they're getting weaker or the quality of opponent that they're playing or just, you know, it, it, just a few big plays can can switch switch some numbers. And I think they did that. But, yeah, it, your feeling's correct. They they started to give up a little more rushing yards toward the end. I'll sum it up this way, Bach, the same way I've been doing it. Everyone on Nebraska needs to be a little better. 
from the coaching staff on down to every single unit of players, offense, defense, and special teams. I'm going to keep watching college football, even though Nebraska season is done another year without a bowl for the Huskers. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, well, just <laughs> hopefully don't take it out on your family or the dog. Uh, <laughs> you know, have have some fun, have some joy. It's still rivalry weekend. There's a lot of fun going on in the college football world, of course. You know, in, in all sports, the basketball team's getting mm-hmm. up and going for us here, and uh, so just a lot to look forward to. And, and again. Um, maybe not an overly successful season for Nebraska, but a, a lot to look forward to in the next coming years. And I'll, I'll look forward to, to covering this team and watch them get better till we get to next season. Hawkeyes 13, Huskers 10. That'll do it for Bach and I signing off for the whole crew in pregame, Jay and Nick on postgame. Bach and I back with you on Sunday, Husker men's basketball against Cal State Fullerton. We'll have postgame coverage as soon as that game is done. We'll talk to you on Sunday. As always, go Big Red. Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what, so what, so what's the scenario?